Dave serves as the senior pastor at uh, Antioch Baptist Church in Scottsville, Virginia. So without further ado, with resounding applause, give Dave vote applause. Thank you so much, Marvin. What's up? How y'all doing? Y'all feeling all right? You in the groove, in the mood for church? Saturday night. It is Saturday night. It is not Sunday morning. I am not going to say good morning. It is Saturday night. Amen. Saturday night's all right for praising, right? Stole that from the sound guy. So if it (laughs) flops, it's his fault. It's not my joke. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, Thank you for that laugh. That that really makes me feel good inside. Uh, It's so great to be with you. My name is Dave. Uh, My wife, Laura, is here. Y'all give it up for my wife. She's in the back. We celebrated... We celebrated 10 years of wedding bliss. Uh, Thursday uh, was our 10th year wedding anniversary, so I just want to give it up. Took her out in style, took her on Spirit Airlines. That's how we celebrated. Uh, the, uh, everything is, you have to pay for the meal on the airline, so it's not a very good airline. And the flight got delayed, and it was kind of crammed, but, you know, thumbs up, right? Love you, babe. So great to be here. Um, I just got back. I was in Raipur, India. Uh, along with Jason Hamilton, and uh, he is the director of the Bridge Foundation. He sends his love and his welcome uh, with me. I'm actually representing the Bridge tonight. We did a pastoral conference, and it was amazing. Uh, I've been in five different time zones over the last several days. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. All I know is that God was good. Amen. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who makes up for our lack? Isn't that good? Isn't it good to know that it's not all on us? We serve a God who supplies our every need. I want to take you a little trip down memory lane if we can go to the next slide. We, uh, this is your pastor and his beautiful family. Uh, we went to, that's us at Monticello uh, in, well, in Charlottesville, Virginia, Albemarle, Virginia. I don't know. I hate going to these places. And so Laura told me that Melissa and Tony were coming to stay with us. And so I thought, okay, great. They're just going to kind of camp out here. And then the next morning, Melissa's like, all right, we're all going to Monticello. And I'm like, yes, you didn't tell me we were doing this. And I'm going to be nice. We have guests, but we had a good time. I'll go to the next slide. I can show you. This is your pastor's children uh, desecrating a national monument. They are, yeah, they are standing on the grave of Thomas Jefferson, and um, they were actually are wanted uh, in Virginia. So if you want these pictures to go away, let's talk about the offering right now. Um, it's going to be a minimum. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, my, my daughter is there. My youngest Piper is there too. So I'm kind of tied into the bunch. I paid your bail. So you can pay me back later. Go to the next slide. This is, you'll recognize this crew. Uh, this is, well, there's Jason Hamilton in there. Marvin's right there in the center. I am to his left, your right. Nick behind us. And then Nathan Spires, who is here. Uh, this is the crew from Master's Commission. That's where we all kind of got together. Uh, and it's just been great to continue to grow in the Lord and serve the Lord uh, with that crazy group of guys. We were in West by God, Virginia. Good times. Cool story. Uh, we, we went into this place because it was kind of the only place there was to get together. So we go into this pub. We're having Nathan's bachelor party. And, uh, you know, we're just kind of sitting around and we, we're just feeling the Lord wants us to minister uh, in this place. So... Uh, Nick got up and sang the invitational hymn. It was uh, Pour Some Sugar On Me by Bon Jovi. <laughs> got the place loose. And then Ben Hansen, who's in the back corner, uh, my right, your left, Ben Hansen preached the gospel right in the middle of that pub. And I think all the drunks got saved. I mean, we cleared the place out. It was a great night. If you go to the next slide, this is what, uh, oh yeah, this is extra credit. 
Uh, this is a picture Nick preached last week. He talked about his missions trip to Ghana, Africa, back in, was this, 2005, Nick? 2005. Uh, extra credit if you can find Katora. Uh, she's the only, she's the only, she's the only Asian, so it should be kind of easy. And then there's, there's my lovely wife there. Um, it was, uh, that was the first time they, uh, Nick obviously has a heart for missions, and this is one of the first trips he went on. Right after this trip, I proposed to my wife. She got off the plane and uh, had kind of set the mood up, and I realized I had forgotten the ring. And so, you know, that's kind of, I lived 10 miles away, so I kind of had to ad lib, but she had ate something that kind of messed with her stomach, so it was okay. She wanted me to get out of there too, you know what I mean? Just, <laughs> but I got it proposed after this trip. If you go to the next slide, I'll show you what we did. Um, that is Dr. Reverend Jason Hamilton uh, and I, Pastor Reverend David Vogt, holding the pastoral seminar uh, in Raipur, India. If you go to the next slide, we spent four days. There's Jason holding the hanky. I was getting in the spirit back there. Had something happen to me in Raipur that's never happened to me in America. Okay, uh, Jason let off the first teaching. He went short, and then I came up. I preached for about an hour. And then they said, I sat back down. And, you know, they talked back and forth. I didn't understand what they were saying. And the translator looks at me and says, uh, this topic really interests them. Can you go for one more hour on this, please? Like, okay, yeah, sure. So we stood back up. I preached from Hebrews 10, 26 all the way through Hebrews 11. Just did a marathon all the way through. Hebrews 11 has 40 verses, if you didn't know. It was an awesome time. What humbles me about these men is that many of them are serving in some of the hardest regions in India. Uh, Pastor Joshua, who we were serving with, uh, he lost his brother preaching the gospel. They killed his brother, told him if he didn't stop, they were going to kill him, and he didn't stop. He kept on preaching, and they realized, well, he's not going to, if we kill him, he's just going to produce more martyrs, so they let him live. But these men give everything they have for the sake of Christ, for the mission, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it was such a humbling experience uh, to share with them. Uh, we got it so easy in America. So I want you to think about that. You know, sometimes we think with missions, all right, if I just put some money in the plate, then I've done my deed. But maybe God's calling you to something more. Maybe he's calling you to go. Maybe it's not just give, but it's go and give. Or maybe he's calling you to, we're all called to share in the sufferings of Christ. And so I just want to challenge us for, with that tonight. Go to the next slide. Well, so that's everybody together. I'm the real handsome one there um, in the gray shirt, black tie, sporting it. I actually weigh more than Jason does now, which is you know, I just turned 31. Today's actually my birthday, 31st birthday. Yeah, thank you. Metabolism really slows down, you know, at 30. I think I'm the first person in the history of human life to gain weight in a third world country, but I did gain weight in India. Don't know how it happened, uh, but it did. The blessing is increasing. But that's what we did. It was awesome. And the vision of the Bridge Foundation is to train 100 indigenous pastors to reach 10,000 souls. That's our vision. We are empowering the people who live there, who know the language, they know the culture, they are immersed in it, they're surrounded by the people, and we want to empower them and train them to reach their nation for Jesus Christ. I don't know if you know this about India, but there's 1.25 billion people in India. Imagine 1.25 billion people in a landmass the size of Texas. That's a lot of people crammed in. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I just said it. Um, <laughs> felt right. They look similar on the map. Don't really know, though. Just throwing it out there. Uh, but can you imagine that? And 89% of the people are Hindu people. Only 1.5% of the population is Christian. So we've got a lot of work to do. There are more unreached people groups in India than any other nation. 
And so that's what we're doing. We do that every year. We put on that conference for them. And that's what the Bridge Foundation does. It gets money from the West, and it gets it into the hands of indigenous pastors so that they can build the kingdom of God where they're at. Amen? So pray for the Bridge. They are a partner with Modern Day Missions. Um, and so I don't know if we'll get highlighted next week, maybe. Put a plug in there. But uh, that's who we're representing. Pray for us. Pray for Jason. Pray for his family. Uh, and we know that God's going to continue to do great things. I want to talk to you tonight about 3D vision. If you open up to Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to look at the call of Isaiah. I think it's so important for us as Christians to have a 3D vision. I'm going to explain what that means in just a minute. Isaiah had a vision of God that was upward first, it was inward second, and then it was outward. It was a three-dimensional vision. It's so important for us to have that balance. He had a vision of heaven's majesty. After he saw the Lord on the throne, he had a vision of his own depravity, and then he saw the people's poverty. It's so important for us tonight that we have a three-dimensional vision. We have some people that they are so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good, right? You've seen some of these people, they're still praying about what toothpaste they should use from this morning. You know what I'm talking about? They are so wrapped up in, 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 in God and in, in, in emotional things and just emotional attachments that they don't step out and walk in the calling that God has given them. We have some people that are way too inward focused. It's all about me. It's all about what I can do or what I can't do. And I just want to tell you, man, for most of us in here, it's not our past that's going to hold us back by being used by God. For most of us, it's our present. We don't submit to God in the present. God doesn't care about your past. Everything the cross cleanses, the cross claims. God sanctifies us. He redeems us. He purifies us. He enables us. He equips us. He does all of that. But many times we refuse to take that first step in obedience. And then there are some people who are just so outward focused. It's all missional, but we lose the holiness and we lose the fear of God and we lose the reverence for him. And it becomes all about justice and it becomes all about these missional activities that sometimes we forget to point people to the cross. We need a three-dimensional vision. If you look at Isaiah chapter six, I'm gonna read verse one, then I'm gonna pray. It says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We just thank you for the opportunity. Lord, interrupt us tonight, God. I pray you give us a heavenly vision. God, Lord, shake everything. Shake us down to the foundations of who we are. Lord, I just pray for every person. I don't know where they're at with you, God, whether they're whether they're new in their faith or they're stuck in their faith or they're growing in their faith, but whatever, whatever stage we're in, I just pray that you would shake us up tonight. Lord, we need a vision of you that transcends everything that we've got going on, that refocuses us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Vision is so important. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, he said that the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. He's talking about vision. He's talking about focus. If, if, we don't see, if we lose track of our vision, if we lose track of the Lord, if we take our eyes off of him, that's when we start getting off course, right? How many of you know when you're walking, how do you know which direction to walk, right? You look, right? You ever run into somebody? Because, why'd you run into them? Because you didn't see them? You weren't paying attention? Or you were doing this, young people sitting like this? Text neck, right? There's actually a medical condition 
right? Google says we look at these things 8 billion times a day, 100 million selfies taken every day. That's a lot of duck lips. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, just want to grab those things. I don't hate those things, but so often we take our eyes off of Christ and we get our eyes on our circumstance. We get our eyes on what's going on around us. We lose track. We lose our focus. We lose our vision. You have to be able to see the direction that you're going, be able to see the direction that God's leading you in. And a lot of times I'm not talking about physical sight. I'm talking about, I know that I'm following the Lord. We walk by faith. A lot of times, God's going to call us to do things, and it doesn't seem right in the natural. It doesn't seem like this is, maybe this is where we should go, but we have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if, you're, if the lamp of the body, if your eye is full of darkness, how great will that darkness be? If you have no vision, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Talking about prophetic revelation, where there is no word of the Lord being proclaimed, the people cast off restraint. They stop caring. They stop following. They stop giving. It's so important that we have a godly vision. It's one of the most important things that we can have because until we truly get a sight of the Lord and we see him for who he is, we'll never truly understand who we are. We'll never truly understand what our place is. You know, and so often we get this man-centered thing going on where it's like God has a plan for your life. God's going to make your life better. God's going to make your life good. But listen, God has a place for us in his plan. He is sovereign. He is king. He is ruler. We are following his lead. There's no, there's no mistake, I don't think, here in, in Matthew chapter 6. Right after Jesus talks about vision or focus, talking about purity of vision, he talks about you can't serve two masters, tells us not to worry, tells us to seek first the kingdom of heaven, and then he tells us not to judge. See, our vision of God affects every area of our life, financial, interpersonal, and in, in, in every area, right? When you, when you are in intercession, when you have a godly vision, when you're focused on the Lord, People become the subject of intercession and not discussion. When you're focused on the Lord, you're not looking at this person and thinking everything, what's wrong with them, you're thinking of how you can pray for them. When you're serving the Lord, you're not thinking about how much can I give, you're thinking about how much do we need to live on so we can give the rest. I'm talking about every area of your life starts with a 3D vision. Back to Isaiah chapter six, verse one. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. I just want to pause right there. King Uzziah was a man who was made king of Israel at age 16. Got any 16-year-olds in here? No? Okay. Close to 16? 14? 15? Okay. Put your hands up. Don't be shy. I got to stand up here. Put your hands up. Can you imagine if one of these kids was elected president, right? Not just president, but king. King Uzziah, 16 years old, king of Israel. And he was a genius. He was a tactician in war. He, he, he sought the Lord. He did what was favorable in the sight of the Lord. And he had a 52-year reign. His name means the strength of Jireh, the strength of Jehovah. And interestingly enough, King Uzziah died because he tried to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And that was something that reserved for the priest. He was not, he was not a priest, but he entered the, the temple. He took a censer off the altar. And he said, I'm going to do this for the Lord. It's so interesting. His name means the strength of the Lord, but his downfall was he tried to do something for the Lord in his own strength. Isn't that ironic? He took what was holy and he was going to use it for an earthly, for an earthly reason. What was the reason? To exalt himself. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 that he took that censer and then leprosy broke out on his forehead and he spent the rest of his days alone in isolation in a leper's house. We know in the Old Testament, leprosy was a sign or a symbol or a type of sin. 
He had a sin of the mind. What was it? It was pride. There is nothing more detrimental to the church than the sin of self-righteousness. This is why an upward vision is first and foremost. If we don't have a proper vision of God, we will always elevate ourselves. King Uzziah, man, so used. What did he do? Ended his life in isolation, covered in leprosy. Why? Because of his pride. Because he said, I'm going to use what is reserved for the Lord for my own gain. Now, we can look at him, and we can point fingers at him, and we can think that's ridiculous. But how many of you know everything we have comes from the Lord? And I think we're guilty of this so often. Maybe we're not always guilty of sins of the flesh, but pride is a sin of the spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says, In light of the mercies of God, let's purify ourselves from the sins of the flesh and the sins of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You know, think about this. If I was to ask you what was King David's most uh, grievous sin, we would probably say, well, his adultery with Bathsheba, right? He sinned. That was a sin of the flesh, a sin of the eyes, a sin of the flesh. Four people lost their lives. But when King David counted the fighting men of Israel, 70,000 Israelites died. It was the sin of pride. It was the sin of, I'm going to do this in my own strength. Some of us can't get anywhere in the Lord because we're working in our own strength. You need to get your eyes on the Lord. We need to have an upward vision. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. Now, most scholars agree that Isaiah and King Uzziah were tight. They were friends. They had a close relationship, and, and they walked together. And Isaiah could not see the Lord in the beauty of his holiness until King Uzziah died. And sometimes I wonder, what is standing in that place in our lives that keeps us from having an all-encompassing, world-shaking vision of God? Because it's not always the bad things. See, you want to know why some of us can't be used to our full potential? It's not because we're second rate. God is so good at taking what shouldn't be usable and making it and using it for his glory, right? He calls fishermen, he called tax collectors, zealots, shepherds, farmers who do his work. It's not because we're second rate, it's because we give God second place. That's why the majority, it's time with the Lord. It's, it's having that upward vision for our lives. God, you are first, I am second. See, until you can see the Lord seated on his throne, he has to be on the throne of your heart. It's got to have that place, that number one place. Is there anything in your life that's crowding your vision, your upward vision? Is there anything in your life that is prohibiting you from seeing God in his fullness? Check your heart. Check your heart. Maybe it's the way you do your finances. Maybe it's a certain, you know, I'm not talking about secret sin. Of course, that would apply here. But so many times, it's the, it's the good things that keep us from stepping out into the great things that God has for us. Those good things that cloud our godly vision. We're so busy. We're so preoccupied. I know for me as a pastor, I'm sure you would agree, a lot of times it's the ministry itself that stands between me and the Lord. We get in maintenance mode. We gotta make this work. We gotta make, this has gotta be perfect. This has gotta be this. This has gotta be that. And so often we can become, we can get in real danger of really losing the heart behind what we're doing in the first place. This is why we start with an upward vision. We gotta see the Lord. Where is he? He's on the throne. He's in control. God is, is moving and orchestrating everything according to his perfect plan. And you have a place in that plan. We have to see God for where he is, not where we want him to be. 
He's sovereign. He's in control. He is on the throne. I mean, come on. That's a good place for you to say amen. I'll help you out a little bit. I got to do that at home all the time, right? I'm preaching better than you're. Anyway. King Uzziah had to die. You see, it's so interesting because Isaiah was being used by the Lord. He was receiving revelation from the Lord. But he didn't see God in his fullness. So that's the first thing. First question. What's blocking your upward vision? What's blocking you seeing the Lord in his fullness. Just take inventory of your, of your heart. He says that he saw the Lord sitting on the throne and he was high and lifted, high and lifted up. We gotta remember, we, gotta, we really have to be careful that we don't lower the Lord in our lives. We see t-shirts, stuff like that, Jesus is my homeboy, right? People wanna be on this personal relationship with Christ and it's awesome that we can do that, but we gotta remember that he's high and lifted up. We got to keep him exalted. We got to keep it holy. We got to keep him sacred. That's because that's the beauty of our relationship with him in the first place. When you think about it, Jesus Christ, high and lifted up, he left that throne, stepped into earth. Why? To save us. This is what keeps us humble. This is what keeps us on track because we realize, wow, I'm a nobody. And look at what the Lord was willing to give for me. And then we argue about what we're going to give to the Lord. Give me a break. You owe him everything. And that's the thing, we can never repay our debt. But see, we don't do good works to make us holy. We do works because we've been made holy. I mean, it's not about works so that none of us can boast, but what? But it, by grace you have been saved through faith. I mean, this is a simple thing, but we gotta make sure this is how you keep an upward vision. You keep these plain things as the main things in your, vo- in your, in your focus. You gotta keep them. Man, God is up, he's lifted up, he's on the throne, keep looking. It says that the train of his robe filled the temple. The train, everybody knows, everybody, well, who here has been married? Who's ever worn a wedding dress? All the men should lower your hands. Um, it's not that kind of church, I'm just saying. Train, right? I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that. Train, right? But hey, the bride has that long train, right? And someone else carries it for her. This is a symbol of Christ's royalty. Another cool thing about the train is that anytime a king would go against another king in battle, when the king won, he would take the other king's train and cut it off, and he would sew it on to his robe. So I want you to think about this. Jesus Christ, his robe is so long it fills up the entire temple. What does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ is the undefeated champion of the world. He's never been beaten. He never will be defeated. And that we gotta keep that in our perspective. We gotta remember, not only is he number one, but he's the undefeated, undisputed, heavyweight champion of the universe. So that should create in us a confidence. See, we walk around so defeated we walk around so swayed by our circumstances. Look, get some upward vision tonight. He's, he's high and lifted up. Not only that, but the train of his, look, his record, his fight record is like two billion to zero. All knockouts. It's a fighting joke, you know. <laughs> Verse number two, we're still at upward vision. Above it stood seraphim. These were heavenly beings. The, the, the Hebrew, it means uh, burning ones. The seraphim, six-winged creatures, probably about nine feet tall. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. Now, I, I'm not going to get too deep here because I'm not smart enough. But I'm just going to point out one thing. 
The majority. All right, how many, how many wings did it have? Everybody remember? Six. Okay, that's good. We're paying attention. Six wings. How many wings did he use to fly? All right, so he used four to present himself to the Lord in a humble and holy fashion. So many times we use all of our energy in, in mission. But we got to remember the most important thing is that we stay humble and we stay broken. A broken and contrite heart the Lord will not despise. These heavenly eternal beings are flying around and the only thing they can say to each other is holy, holy, holy. Three times meaning complete holiness. God, there is no one like our God. Our God is so separate, so holy, so reserved. And we serve him, we follow him, we honor him. So something that Leonard Ravenhill used to say, man who lived in Tyler, powerful preacher. You gotta make a decision. Do you wanna be like Jesus or do you wanna be like everybody else? Gut check time. Six wings used four to present itself to the Lord. So the majority of my ministry has to be my ministry to the Lord. This is what ministry is. Ministry is meeting the tangible needs of people, the physical, the spiritual, the emotional needs of people. That's what ministry is, and you're all ministers. When you receive the message of the gospel, you become a minister of the gospel. It is implied in the calling. Another message for another time, but I want you to think about this. Only ministry that comes out of the overflow of your relationship with the Lord will have any effect on man, right? Pastor Tony was talking about Psalm 23, remember? My cup overflows. What happens before his cup overflows? Well, he's anointed with oil. The anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit, being in the presence of God, making the secret place a sacred place in our hearts, all of those things, out of that overflow we minister to the Lord. Now they didn't use six wings to cover themselves, so they were still flying around, right? They were still on mission. They were still doing what God had created them to do. But the majority of their effort was spent seeking the Lord and worshiping the Lord. So Nick told us last week, he said that our purpose for missions comes out of worship, right? Missions exist because worship doesn't, and we have to bring that calling. But listen, worship not only gives us our purpose, it gives us our perspective. The perspective for missions comes out of worship. Look at this, look at verse three. And he cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now where are the seraphim located in this passage? Where are they at? Okay, somebody here, anybody? They're in the throne room of God. Thank you, brother. They're flying around the throne of God. They didn't say the throne is full of his glory, did they? What did they say? They said the whole earth is full of his glory. See, worship sets our perspective. We've got so many doomsday preppers and brimstone preachers. Where is the perspective of the Lord? He's high and lifted up. He's in control. And yes, the falling away of the world is part of the plan, but so are you. And you're an ambassador of Christ. You have the power and the authority of Christ. You're gifted with every spiritual gift in heavenly places in Christ. Stop walking around so defeated. And let's start raising some hell, man. You know? I get so sick and tired because, you know, we talk about we want to shake the world, but it never leaves. I mean, our our devotion to God never leaves these walls. You're not going to shake the world from in here. What did Paul tell Timothy? I would like that every man in every place with holy hands lifted high, giving up prayer and supplication for all men. That job that you're complaining about, guess what? You on a mission, you on assignment, that's your mission field. 
Mmm, yes, sister. I'm getting, somebody getting blessed here. Right. I love verse three. The whole earth is full of his glory. So listen, worship sets our perspective. Are you complaining about your everyday circumstances? You got a, you got a problem with upward vision. Because even though, look, at, if you go back and read through, we don't have time tonight uh, because Marvin talked too much about missions. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, look, if you, read, if you read back, I love him. We've known each other for a long time. I can say that. Because some of the things he said to me, he heard that one. Okay, I'm just saying. But, but if you read back through chapter 5 and, and you read the condition of Israel, it is not a pretty picture. They had drunkenness. They had carelessness. They had covetousness. They had social injustice. Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. That is happening. But what happens in Isaiah chapter 6 in the throne room of God? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And the, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. You've got to remember you're on the winning team. Now, you can't walk around prideful because pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. But we should walk around confident in the ability of the Lord. And every time I see something that doesn't line up with the word of God, that's all right. I'm going to talk about it in my prayer closet. You don't need to confront it right there. Well, maybe you do follow the leading of the Lord, but don't confront it person to person until you confront it with the king of kings. What would happen in your life if when something came up, you called on the Lord first instead of going to that friend you go to? Well, the answer is you would get breakthrough. Anyway, verse 4. That's the short of the long of it. And And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Now, this is a picture of the Shekinah glory of the Lord filling the temple. We know the Israelites were led Right, by a cloud, a cloud of the glory of God. God led them. And the, the, the doorposts were shaken. You know, when, when God shows up in a place, he shakes things up. So, you know, when we ask God for revival, I think we need to be careful. Do you really understand what you're asking him for? Because he shakes everything. We're down to the foundations. These big foundations that held these pillars were shaken in the presence of God. This is why God saves you, so he can shake you up and send you out. Some of y'all need to get shaken tonight. You came, you put your money in the plate, and you filled your seat. That's half the battle, guys. God needs to shake his church. We've got so many churches on Route 31. In Fluvanna County, I minister in Scottsville, Virginia, population 548, all right, 548, that's, all right, Fluvanna County, 25,000 people, 104 churches. 104 buildings. And this is my prayer. God, shake us up at the foundations. Do a work in our day that we couldn't even guess you were able to do. Start praying bold prayers. See, that's what happens. When you have an upward vision, you start getting excited about the things of God. You start getting excited about what he can do. Everything in your life that you don't think is going well, listen, you don't even think about that anymore. Why? Because you've got an upward vision. You're seeing the all-encompassing, beautiful King Jesus, King. Instead of being God's earthly subjects, we want God to be our heavenly slave. I'll say that again. Instead of being God's earthly subjects, we want him to be our heavenly slave. We go to him, God, I need you to do this for me. What more can the king of kings do for you than what he's already done? What more do we need from God? We're equipped. We have the promises. We have the gifts We have the position in Christ. What are we waiting for? (laughs) 
The whole house was filled with smoke. Man, I just pray, God, you would fill this whole house with the glory of the Lord. Put us on our faces, God. Upward vision. The posts of the door were shaken. Now an inward vision, verse 5. So Isaiah says, he says, woe is me, for I am undone. That word means I am destroyed, I am cut off. What happened Verse in chapter 5? He's going, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. In chapter 6, what happens? He says, oh, woe is me. What happened? See, that's what we have to minister out of the overflow of the glory and the presence of God because it keeps us in our proper place. It keeps our inward focus in check. So often we get so inwardly focused and we never grow. But you know why so many of us don't grow from week to week? Because we start over every Saturday night. You start over every Saturday night. Right? Like someone once told me when I was trying to lose weight, hey, if you're tired of starting over, stop quitting. That's, I wanted you to cuddle me, not give me that. It says, well, I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And listen, look at this. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. There's a difference in living around people and walking among people. Jesus Christ walked among people. We got to maintain contact with the world without being contaminated by the world. How do we do that? You keep your upward vision straight and then that gets your inward vision aligned. But we don't stay here. Some people, they get so wrapped up in what, what, what is going on with me, what is going on with me, what is going on with me. The only thing you need to know is that you weren't worthy in the first place. Now God's made you worthy, so get up and go do it. See the need. When you see the glory of God, you'll never look at the, people that, you'll never look at the needs of the people in the same way. Does your heart break when you drive down 31 and you see the Apache theater sign? I mean, does that break your heart? What would happen if we joined in prayer and we said, in the name of Jesus, we come against the spirit of lust. That place is shutting down. Come on, it's in your town. It's on the street. It's right down the road from a friendly Baptist church that's actually named Friendly Baptist Church. <laughs> you want to talk about inward perspective? I don't know. I just... Never been there, but I pastor a Baptist church, so I could say that. It says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for the eyes. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. See, an upward vision creates proper inward vision. Verse 6, then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, from which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Your sin has been atoned for. It has been burned away by the God of the universe, by Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross. Now he has cleansed you. Why? Because he wants to consume you. Our God is a consuming fire. There can be nothing that stands in his way in your heart. Isaiah didn't stay at the prayer and say, oh, I'm so bad, I can't be used by God. That's, a lot of us, we stay at that prayer. Oh, I can't be used by God. Oh, I'm not downplaying it. Look, I know I've been there many times. But what happened after his conviction and his confession came his cleansing? Why? So that he could be commissioned. So that he can be commissioned. This is why Jesus Christ saved you. He saved you to send you. Everyone who God calls to salvation, he calls into service. He took the live coal. Isn't it interesting? The angel did for Isaiah what King Uzziah tried to do for himself. Remember the story? King Uzziah took, he took the scepter from the altar that was used at the altar of incense, and he was going to offer his own sacrifice to the Lord. 
We can't save ourselves. We have to let God do the impossible for us. But after that, nothing becomes impossible for us. But we walk around like everything's too big. Well, it's time for us to get a proper upward vision, a proper inward vision. Why? So that we can have a proper outward vision. After his sin was purged, verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And some of us say, well, I, 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 haven't heard, I haven't heard God, you know, calling me, haven't heard God speaking to me. Well, I mean, has the coal from the altar touched your lips? Have you surrendered everything at the feet of Jesus? Is he in the first place in your life? Is the sacred place, the place that no one else sees, the place where we think we can get away with everything, is that secret place, a sacred place of worship and intimacy with the Lord? I mean, you can come in here and you can sit down and we can, you know, waltz in the Spirit, and I've never done that before, but it was cool. liked it. I can't dance, but I felt like I was doing something there. But what happens after this? Do you come to church on Saturday night just so you can watch football on Sunday? I mean, I'm not judging. I'm just saying we need to check our hearts. Look, maybe God is calling you. Maybe he's wanting you to hear his voice. You know, people say all the time, Revelation, oh, God's standing at the door and knocking, and we use that to talk about salvation. But if you look in the book of Revelation, he's standing at the door of the church. He wants in his house. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. You were bought with a price. I mean, is Christ getting his money's worth in your life? I mean, we can never repay by what we do. But you know what God wants from us? Simple obedience. Lord, I will go where you tell me to go. But let me ask you this. Some of us, many of us maybe in this room, we couldn't say, here am I, send me if we want to because we're so bound in first world poverty. We've got so much going on. We've got so much debt. We're so wrapped up. We've got so many treasures on earth. What if God said tonight, I want you to go? Could you do it? I mean, this is a challenge for us. We've got to give God lordship over every area of our life. Every area. You need 3D vision. I want the, if the worship team could come. Isaiah saw the need of the people. The tragic thing was the people couldn't see the need for themselves. If you finish reading his message, you'll see the very thing that Jesus spoke about the Pharisees. The very thing that he said, he said, these people, the heart of these people are dull and their ears are heavy. They shut their eyes. They had no vision. They had no, they couldn't see the Lord. And Jesus is standing right in front of them. Guys, we need a 3D vision in the church. We need a proper upward vision. The Lord seated on the throne. We need a proper inward vision of ourselves. We need to realize we are people of unclean lips and we are living amongst a people of unclean lips. But we have been made holy and we are called to live holy. We need to have an outward vision, a proper outward vision. Not that just adds numbers, but that makes disciples. Fully devoted followers of Christ. Dis disciplined followers of Christ. The worship team's going to play and we're just going to have a time. I, I don't know where you're at in your life. Maybe you're having a problem with your upward vision tonight. I'd love to pray with you. Maybe you're having a problem with the inward vision. Maybe you're, you're so consumed with, with, with your past or with what's going on in your heart and you can't get past a struggle or a bondage, man. Look, every curse is broken. Every generational curse, every family curse, every curse, the curse of sin. Why? Because Jesus Christ hung on the cross and cursed is every man who hangs on the tree and he beat the curse. He broke the curse. 
So stop walking around in bondage and start walking in boldness. Start walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? We don't have a problem with being filled with the Holy Spirit. We have a problem with being emptied by God. Before he can fill you, he's got to empty you. Maybe your inward vision is blocked. Maybe you got something in your life that is like King Uzziah was for Isaiah. You can't see the Lord. Why? Because your vision is clouded. Maybe you're struggling with inward. Maybe it's outward. Maybe you're looking at the people you're walking around and all you can think about is, well, I wish God would use me to do something better. Listen, you got no business going to the nations until you reach out to the neighborhood. But we're called to do both. Some people get so caught up in reaching the neighborhood, they neglect the nation. Some people go all out in reaching the nations and they don't even know their neighbor's name. Guys, our outward focus across the street, around the world, wherever you are in your life tonight, I don't know. But I know this, that God saved you to send you. He's got a place for you in his plan. He is high and lifted up. The train of his robe fills the temple. He's a holy God. He can purify, he can cleanse, he can redeem, he can deliver, he can heal, he can do anything. Nothing's possible with him. But for us, we gotta step out in faith. We gotta take a step. Pastor Tony and I would love to pray for you. If your upward vision's blocked, if your inward vision is off, or your outward vision, any of those things apply to you, we're gonna linger for a few minutes. If that's you and you need to come, I encourage you to come.